Today's chat is brought to you by the support of all our Twitch subscribers. Through the patronage you provide the Focus Fire chat team through the Twitch platform, we are able to provide you with the weekly podcast as well as the website and other aspects of Focus Fire chat. If you have any interest in becoming a subscriber of the FFC and gaining access to some exclusive features over in the Discord server, please be sure to visit our Twitch account and click on the subscribe button. If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on November 8th, 2019, over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat, as we continue our discussion over the capabilities of light. This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the advanced session of the week's exploration. Congratulations to those who signed up for a deeper dive. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of who all we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew 86 and this is the hot chocolate, hot chocolate <laughs> loving green eyed music lover. I have, I am the currently hot, drinking hot it. Chaka, so. chaka, hot chocolate, hot chocolate, It's delicious. It is absolutely delicious. It's King's Coast hot chocolate. Nice. They have hot chocolate. Yeah, they Ooh. do. Um, actually, one of my clanmates sent me this package, and it had I hot chocolate. I try that. I thought it was just Coast. coffee. It's no, they have I hot like cocoa that. too, and it's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty good so far. I've had two sips. <laughs> <laughs> and last but definitely not least in the hot seat as guest co-host, we have our good friend Volshock Berserker from yes. the Do You Know Destiny account. Volshock, you still still with us over here? Oh, yeah. It's getting late for me, but I'm a the hot chunk warlock. <laughs> hot chunk warlock? You're a hot chunk yes, of I warlock? <laughs> the After Dark episode. I mean, it is currently one o'clock for me. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, I guess, you know, as as kind of was promised, we'll, we'll jump right into the conversation on the new information that we have about the capabilities of light as revealed from, I think it's unveiling. Is that correct? It's, uh, yeah, I want to touch a little bit on that. We're still talking about light and probably a bit about darkness this episode, but the entries from unveiling the book that has just started releasing do give us some more questions and debate topics to discuss during this. So yes. So I guess I'm going to start right in it because blue did not pick up where I left off. I am going to start with Eris' cutscene. You know, I'm going to start with Eris' cutscene. Oh yeah. Okay. I saw that one. I saw that one. So that was with Eris and the little smirk. Mini Blackheart, do you actually see? That's my question. Do you actually want, actually want to? It, it didn't look like it to me. Hmm? The and I'm going to describe it first okay. for listeners who may or may not have watched it. In the cutscene, it is something that we recently got with the release of the festival festival of the lost. We see Eris approach the altar right behind where we pick up the artifact on the moon, and. She reaches down to touch it, and you see this black, um, it's, I, I don't want to call it tentacles, Ooze. tendrils, black tendrils. Yeah, it's like smoky, but also oozy, but also not quite 
Um, I'm trying to think of the um, Venom. It's not quite Venom-like. It's not a symbiote. From Spider-Man. No, no, no. It's just more smoke-like. Kind of attach and go and circle around the orb that she is carrying. And she pulls away from it. It dissipates. And then she thinks about it a moment. Makes the decision that we all go, why are you doing this? Stop touching stuff. And (laughs) touches it again. And the... When she touched, I know it's just stop touching just, things. It's caboose. Stop touching it's caboose. It's, it, it really don't is. Don't touch anything. Touch. <laughs> uh huh. The worst throne I've ever but seen. She, <laughs> yes. she goes back in. She touches the the pillar, the altar, essentially again, and you see only her the shot from the behind her. You don't see everything going on in front. But you see the mass and the smoke and the tendrilling type thing aspect, a mass, collect, and then she turns around and there's nothing changed. Except for a little smirk. That is absolutely disturbing as all get out. So that's the cut scene. What is the smoky thing? Do, what do we want to speculate the smoky thing is? Is it darkness, quote unquote? Is it symbiotic? Is it attracted to specifically the the little shard that she has in her hand that she's carrying around? Um, correct me if I'm wrong. There was a small thing of a bungee employee saying that the the this pyramid ship race the veil as we called it is Mm -hmm. like how the guardians are to the light yeah i think that was a theory that i've heard before is that they're the they're the the dark mirror to the guardian yes and the old concept art showed them to be mist-like people Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. or i mean i guess you could draw the comparison that they'd be the phantoms hanging around but it could be that how like how the Vex are a liquid race. They could be a gaseous one. Spitball in here. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's very, very different imagery going on. The Vex, the when the Vex are exploded and the, the Radioloria is spilled, it's very bright and light, which I've had many discussions with a colleague about how the Vex and his spin foil theory, he feels is actually part of the gardener aspect or the light aspect and that the Vex aren't actually enemies, but they're, they're um, guards in some respects, but there's a lot of wrong yeah. in that and a lot of debate, but the Radioloria is very bright and light. And what we see in the cutscene is definitely not. Yeah. Uh, it is very dark for a bowtie. If I could, draw a small thing it's um there was an old line from d2 during a mission where ikora was saying if the vex are the lick are the milk why haven't they appeared in other states maybe it's possible that transitioning to a gaseous would be going too far into the dark that the vex are comfortable with so the veil Mm -hmm. are comfortable with this that's why they are in this form very spin, very Perhaps. spin metally. Mm-hmm. I'm being interesting. I do. 
wonder if we have a little bit of information about what is going on with not necessarily the book, The Unveiling, but with the new card that we got from books, um, letter, Letters from Eris, because this is an undelivered letter uh, yes. slash deleted letter from Eris. And give you, I'll give you the link real quick. One second. Here it is in chat for you. Chat as well here. Um, so in regarding the pyramid, it says, My queen, I am at a loss. Never before I have I felt so hopeless, so adrift, so tempted. Forgive me for my words, but I understand the allure of the darkness. It is quite a powerful sensation to feel it so free of care. My fractured mind thrills at the prospect of recklessly abandoning hope. I cannot say I didn't want it to take me. I was weak. I see this now. I may have faltered, but I endure. Do not mistake my weakness for betrayal. There are more pressing concerns. Just that entry part alone, before going into the rest of the card, the fact that she uses past tense, I didn't want it to take me. I was weak. I see this now. That sounds like it happens after she's touched the thing. Yeah, I could see that. Now, I don't know if that's actually what happens. Well, if if it's regarding the pyramid, then I would say it would be safe to assume because she didn't know it was there until the beginning of Shadowkeep. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, time-wise, maybe it was a day before we got to the moon. So I'm, and then getting in, I would say not touching the pyramid would have been enough for her to feel the sensation, but like how we get close, it takes their ghost over. And then once we get inside, right. it ta- fully takes over. Maybe it's like inside the ship is the line where the allure can be felt. The next entry that she talks about is, We have been manipulated. We are right where it wants us. The darkness orchestrated its plan magnificently. The nightmares were so impeccably calculated to draw us in, make us vulnerable, and leave us exposed. The darkness plans to use us. We are to do its bidding. I don't know how to stop it. I detect no fear on the part of our nemesis. We aren't even a concern. We pose no threat. The darkness needs a reason to fear our light, and I intend to provide it. I have been inside. I have nothing but beautiful and violent words for my report. I will meet at you at your throne, which that right there, it does reveal that she's been inside. And it does say beforehand, delivered, reconstructed. So maybe she reworded mm-hmm. that letter. Because maybe she felt that the queen would have not liked the first draft. It's just interesting that in this, and we were talking about light during the introduction episode, but in this section, it it talks about the aspect that the darkness has no fear of our light. Um, now this is darkness, capital yes. D. I feel like there is a small reason for that, which involves the fifth page of unveiling. And we shall get there. Yes. Blue. What are you thinking so far, Blue? Yes. Okay. 
Yes. Be stepped out. Okay. For a second. Get some, get some food. We are... Yeah. We are... Pulled pork weird. was too much of a lure. No. <laughs> oh, Lord. <sighs> okay. So, we have the concept from there where Eris and the pyramid ship become acquainted on a more intimate level. Is darkness capital D? This is just a very basic point. Is darkness capital D the same as darkness the aspect or the force or the art is darkness the aspect the same thing as light just another side of it because we've had this debate multiple i would times. say yes to which side how they are both similar in forces just opposites given okay. these the unveiling book and my personal imp- interpretation of what has happened in the game so far. Okay. So do you want to start diving into the unveiling a little bit and start explaining where we're at? Well, let's hope I can get past some of these very big words. Yes. So. Let's see. As any story does, it's once upon a time. Mm Mm-hmm. It was. In the very first entry... There's one line in particular that definitely brings to light the fact that there are opposing, f- there are the same force, just opposing sides of it. According to him, the visible world is a manifestation of eternal light and eternal darkness, and it is an internal opposition that eternity has revealed itself. There's a lot of eternal in that sentence, but it definitely is eternally two sides of the same thing. I would eternally agree. But the floor is yours, sir. Oh, man. I mean, to to me, the darkness and light have always been the same because in most, a most regular, as a regular story goes, in a case like this, it would be something of equal force and type, just opposing personality, which creates a like duality and a clash of ideals, which makes for great story. So because of the necessity to create a great story, they're going to be the clash of the same. It's just two aspects of the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, I can see them doing that as a way for a way to have a great story. Plus it's always Mm -hmm. interesting to see what someone's take on it could be. Yeah. Speaking of your once upon a time, I got a bone to pick a little bit with Seth on this one if he's the one who wrote this. Because he puts asterisks in and he makes the sentence coherent to read just straight through, but the asterisks, once you bring them in there, it's just like, dude, all these, dude, why? He likes a little code. He loves like, a lot like of code. The, um, like how the um, Aeon cult exotics were, but mm. to a more simplified level. 
Once upon a time, a gardener and a winnower lived together in a garden. And if we expand that, it'd be once upon a time. It was once before a time because time had not yet begun. A gardener and a widow winnower lived. Winnower? We did not live. We existed as principles of ontological dynamics that emerged from mathematical structures as bodiless and inevitable as the primes. Together in a garden. It was a field of probability that prefigured existence, which to me would be like the time before the Big Bang. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They existed because they had to exist. They had no antecedent and no constituents. constituents. They were like the unmoved movers. Mm -hmm. And there is no instrument of causality by which they could be portioned into components and assigned to some schematic of their origin. If you follow their umbilical of history in search of some ultimate atavistic embryo that became them, you would end your journey marooned here in this garden. In the morning, the gardener pushed seeds down into the wet loam of the garden to see what they would become. In the evening... The winnower reaped the day's crop and separated what would flourish from what had failed. The day was longer than all of time, and the night was swifter than the glint of light on a falling sugar crystal. Insects buzzed between the flowers, and worms slithered between the roots, feeding on what was and what might be. The first gradient in existence, the first dynamo of life, rain fell from from no sky, Voices spoke without mouth or meaning. A tree of silver wings bloomed, yielded fruit, shed feathers bloomed again. In the day between the morning and the evening, the gardener and the winnower played a game of possibilities. So, gardener and the winnower. To winnow something is to cut it away, to harvest, to separate it correct yep first i've ever heard that word so i'm gonna agree with you so you have something that is growing somebody who the gardener who is the grower and then somebody who is reaping the winnower so in this one oftentimes gardeners also are winnowers which is an interesting thing to keep in mind gardeners also winnow so at the at the time of fall when Julie and I had just finished um, our summer season here in Colorado. We cut everything back because when you cut the plants back, it allows them to go into their kind of stasis until the next spring when they can regrow and they'll grow back stronger. So gardeners will oftentimes function as a winnower as well. Farmers do this every single year as well. It could be that since since we often since we often say or at least i do that the darkness and light are two sides of the same coin it could be that they separated from each other and that the gardener is only focused on growing while their counterpart the winnower is only focused on reaping mm-hmm. now an interesting thing comes in the next card in the definition well, or the well, rules of the game Actually, real quick you want to go back to uh, it? So go there's it. a difference between winnowing and threshing. 
technically. Okay. Uh, reaping or threshing is the basically, like, so you reap, which is when you cut it down, and then you thresh, which is when mm-hmm. you loosen it, and then you winnow it, which is when you separate it. So winnowing is 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 separate so- from the actual process of reaping. Or it it's a it's a concurrent or it's a congruent step that is a subsequent step within that process. Um, so winnowing is often you see things with like the the Odysseus Smith where the winnowing fan, uh, where he tells where he he basically try he tells them to go take an oar to a plant a place that has never seen the sea so that the oar would be mistaken mm-hmm. for a winnowing fan. <clears throat> a winnowing fan is really basically it's it's a it's it's how how you separate the the grain from the chaff or from the hay. Um, You also can use winnowing fans to separate out pests. Uh, So it's actually where you can uh, basically you you run air over it and the lighter pieces get blown away. Whereas the the grains that you want to keep are remained there. That's where you get the winnowing fan. Um, Really interesting. So instead of creating a, a reaping, you have somebody who is allowing the the proper aspects of the yeah it's a purification process the grain to come for yeah it's it's the it's a crucible mm -hmm. yeah it's a crucible in a farm sense uh in in an agricultural sense it's the same as a crucible whereas with crucibles are much more metallurgy uh that's Mm -hmm. that's actually a term in metal which we discussed before um winnowing is the same concept but applied to agricultural uh paradigms uh and you know, in in modern worlds, it's definitely become more mechanical. Mech, mechan- I can't talk about it right now. Mechanization has definitely taken over. It used to be done by hand, but it's actually you're dealing with things that have already been reaped, which is, I think, an interesting component in this this thing because it's not like it's it's uh, uh, to kind of tie back into like the trials of Osiris lore. Uh, this would be the judgment of Mott. This wouldn't be the actual process of Thanos coming and taking the life, but this would be the judgment mm-hmm. of that soul that has been taken, whether or not to go on or to be fed to the devourer. It's, it's the weighing mm-hmm. of the of the feather versus the soul. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So then we get the rules of the game, of which they play the, this game of possibilities, right? So rule one, a living flower with less than two living neighbors is cut off. It dies. Rule two, a living flower with two or three living neighbors is connected. It lives. Rule three, a living flower with more than three living neighbors is starved and overcrowded. It dies. Rule four, a dead flower with exactly three living neighbors is reborn. It springs back to life. The only play permitted in the game is the arrangement of the initial flowers. So anybody ever play, and I'm trying to think of what it's called, but it's basically... I I bet you're thinking of the same game I am. Yeah. Is it the one with the white and black Oh, no, no. You're thinking of... Chips? uh, What is it? Othello? Yeah, mm-hmm. that one, that one, but see, that one's not necessarily a direct correlation because don't, in Othello, don't you technically have, you have, you can make moves subsequently, right? 
you can. It's not just the right. There is, there is a computer game. God, man, I played it in high school, which is why I can't remember it. But it was a simulation game, and it was basically kind of like this. It was an evolution game. You would set up your your parameters, and you would go and you know you would set different uh, conditions or whatever to to single cell organisms, and then you go you'd activate it and then you just sit back and you'd watch the evolution of stuff go. And it was, it was a game to see. It was basically, it sounds exactly kind of like a more simple version of this, but it was, uh, it was a game to see how far along the progress of evolution you could get. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, eventually it would implode on itself, but it was, yeah, there, there wasn't, there wasn't like rules. Cause like the rules that you just read, that reminds me of Othello, uh, Othello, Othello, I don't know how you pronounce it. It's the yeah. No, Organ Trail can just no chat. No. You dysentery will kill black you black. no matter what you do. So the line that interests me the most in this one, just so far, is a dead flower with exactly three living neighbors is reborn, it springs back to life. Does that mean that we as guardians are the dead flower? I would say no, because given the next few pages, it seems like paracausality was not part of the game. Yes, sorry, yeah, chat, chat's saving me. Dino, he's got it. It's Conway's Game of Life. Oh, it's literally... It's a zero, it's a zero, it's a zero player game. Uh, so... Gotcha. That's that's what you're basically it's being described is uh, it's referred to as a zero player game. So basically, you set it up, you hit start, and then that's that's your involvement. Um, and Conway's game of life uh, is it's like uh, God, man, it's been so long since I've played this thing. Like the board and game, it was like life, or more complex. No, 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 no. no. This it's, a, it's, it's a it's a computer, computer game. game. It's a it's it's. Hang on, let me pull it up real quick. It's uh, cellular automa- automation cell devised by British yeah. mathematician John Horton Conway in 1970. The game is a zero-player game, meaning that evolution is determined by its initial state requiring no further input. Um, and it's like, it's a really cool game to actually to watch, um, but it also, it, it shows like the, the uh, ripples that uh, can affect Oh, okay, Dino's saying that the rules the rules are from that. Okay, okay, cool. I like I said, yeah, I haven't I is. haven't played it in so long. Yeah, so the rules are any living cell with fewer than two live neighbors dies okay. as if by underpopulation. Any cell with two or three live neighbors lives to on to the next generation. Any live cell with more than three live neighbors dies as if by overpopulation. Any dead cell with exactly three neighbors becomes a live cell as if by reproduction. So it's just rewording it, rewording those exact rules in the metaphor of the flower and the the death in the garden and everything. Interesting. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that, Dino. I'm like, I knew I had played something like this, but I just, I, yeah. Interesting. So... If this aspect of the gardener and the winnower is the fact that the gardener places places the cards, essentially, or places the, the flowers 
the initial moves, no matter what the gardener lays, the whole day, the life cycle, essentially, it happens. It runs the whole cycle of the game. At the end, the winnower cuts things down. Or does the winnower cutting things down progressively as it goes through? Um, Based on how the winnower only works at night from the last card, because in the evening, the winnower Mm -hmm. reaps the day's crop. Which made it Mm -hmm. seem like since the day is the gardener's domain of time allotted. And then once night falls, the winnower gets their play. It always ends the same, the gardener complained. This one stupid pattern. Goes on to talk more about... Do you want to go on and do you want to talk about the final shape? I would love to talk about the final shape. Yeah, considering that this is a, this is um, a big one to me. A, and a reference to much before. Oh, yeah. Um, the final shape is brought up a lot in the Books of Sorrow, along with its counter name, the final pattern, or the pattern, which the Vex are trying to comprehend. Mm-hmm. So, do you want to read it? Okay. <clears throat> it always ends the same, the gardener complained. This one stupid pattern. Aren't they beautiful, I asked, as the flowers opened and closed in patterns beyond the scope of entire universes to encode, all devouring and perhaps everlasting. Not even we could know whether a pattern in the flowers would cycle forever or someday halt. They're as dual as carbon monoxide poisoning, the the gardener groused, although carbon monoxide did not yet exist, and neither did anything that could be poisoned. The gardener kneeled to flick a patch of sod with their trowel. It struck an open flower, causing it to shut. Although I was the closer of flowers, and that was my sole purpose, I felt no jealousy or fear. We had our assigned domains and always would. They're majestic, I said. They have no purpose except to sub- subsume all their perp- all other purposes. There is nothing at the center of them except the will to go on existing, to alter the game to suit their existence. They spare not one silver, or sliver of their totality for any other work. They are the end. The pattern corrected the errant flower effortlessly. The great flow went on unchanged. The gardener got up and brushed to their knees. Every game we play, this one pattern consumes all the others, wipes out every interesting development. A stupid, boring exploit that cuts off entire possibility spaces from ever arising. There's so much that we'll never get to see because of this pest. They chewed at their cracked lip, which existed only because this is an allegory. I'm going to do something about it, they said. We need a new rule. I'm going to continue reading the first night. Knife. 
because I think the story, this allegory continues and brings mm-hmm. up a lot of questions as we go. So this is the last card that we have so far as of eight or November 8th, 2019. I looked up in shock. I said, what? What do you mean? A special new rule, something too. The gardener threw up their hands in ex- exasperation. I don't know. To reward those who make space for the new complexity, a power that helps those who make strength from uh, heter- heterodoxy and who steer the game away from gridlock. Something to ensure there's always someone's building something new. It'll have to be separate from the rest of the rules, running in parallel, so it can't be compromised. And we'll have to be very careful so it doesn't disrupt the whole game. All you will do, I said, with rising panic slash fury, is delay the dominant pattern that will overrun the others. It is inevitable. One final shape. No, it'll be different. Everything will be different. Everywhere you look. Everything will be the same. Your new rule will make great false cyst of horror full of things that should not exist, that cannot withstand existence, that will suffer and scream as their rich blisters fill with effluent and rot around them. And when they pop, they will blight the whole garden. Whatever exists must... Whatever exists, because it must exist, and because it permits no other way of existence, has the absolute claim to existence. That is the only law. No, the gardener said. I am the growth and the preservation of complexity. I will make myself into a law in the game. And thus, we too became parts of the game. And the laws of the game became gnomic and open to change by our influence. And I had only one purpose and one principle in the game. And I could do nothing but continue to enact that purpose. Because it was all that I was was and ever would be. I looked at the gardener. I looked at my hands. I discovered the first knife. And this is where I think paracausality and a causality stepped in which i guess would continue which so we don't have the next pages of this conversation i would say would be the beginning of the universe is it actually the beginning of the universe or if it is it the beginning of the traveler itself entering the game well, because in the earlier cards it says this was a time before time existed. So, so they're actually just playing the game out within. Yeah, there. To me, it was them playing the game before time had even begun. Or mm-hmm. another possibility, since the day was longer than all of time. It could be that each mm-hmm. game was its own universe. Mm-hmm. Its own, its own, its own cycle. If you want to go into kind of the the Bra- Brahma type story, if you go into like Hinduism and the the Eastern religions, you have the idea of the opening of the eye and the the shutting of the eye. 
It is very, very biblical. That's very true, Black Flag. It definitely has that the powers before everything feel. So if we go back to our concept of the light versus the dark, blue, now that you've listened to this, and uh, Berserker, do you feel that these two are actually the origins of light and dark, or are they... Are they the powers of light and dark? Are they not? Are they the players yes. now? Are, is the is the power slash player the same thing at this point when it comes to the traveler itself as being part of the game? Or is the traveler just a still another minion aspect of it? The traveler part is hard to determine because we've only known of one traveler. But we do know of another agent of light. Would be the Leviathan from the Fundament and the Books of Sorrow. But it, it there would be only be two agents of light that we've ever heard of. Blue. I'm looking for something real quick because I'm I have a thought. You have a thought? Yeah, okay. there's a an old old artifact. I'm trying to remember where it is. Oh, from from D1 artifact. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, there have been plenty of I think agents of the darkness. I would say the Hiver one, because it seems that in the original game, the final shape is what the Hive are striving for. So they follow mm-hmm. what the Winnower believes, which always leads to the final shape. Which to the Hive would was the sword logic, but recent events have that faith wavering. Well, that faith is wavering only because they want to, f- to find another way around mm-hmm. it. They don't want to follow that necessarily. They still want to find the final shape. Ah. Blue found yeah. it. <clears throat> the sin, the sins of uh, sins of Karadtan is a knife. It's a warlock item. Uh, it's, a, it's a stone blade and it says, for you are not the first hero nor even Oryx the first villain to meet upon this plane. Oh. So anytime, anytime you guys when you guys, as soon as you said first knife I was like, I know this because this thing has been bugging me for how long has yeah, years ever since it was introduced. Um, it's up there with there's another one. Uh, it's the uh, rainbow blade, which is the ceremonial. It's a beauty of a sacrificial weapon belies the deadliness deadliness of this infinitesimally sharp blade. Um, there's a couple. There's a couple really interesting uh, uh, artifacts rainbow from D1. Knife. There's the yeah, rainbow blade. Uh, so, like Aurora knives. Uh, no, I'm, no, yeah, I can see that argument here. I'll shoot you though. <laughs> it's an argument. It's an artifact, so it's like an actual handheld dagger. But then there's also like the scroll of Imintin, which is the last record of a long dead civilization. Um. Yeah, you have a couple different things like that. And and so, you know, that's one. As soon as you said first knife, though, that's what jumped in my head. 
Oh, well, let's... Do you want to read P53? Because I have it pulled up. If you want to really blow Blue's mind here in okay. a second. Um, I, it's, where is it? Like, I've got it. it it's not yeah. on Ishtar. I had to pull it up in game. So if you want, I can go ahead and read it and then let Blue go nuts with this one. Because this one's definitely going to bring up a lot of questions. Because we're going to talk about who is the winnower and who is the oh, gardener. This, yeah, this, this one, one definitely this, this brings one that one. question a lot. Mm-hmm. Thank you for making room in your life for another talking ball. Let me ask you a question. In three billion, If in the three billion base pairs of your root species genome, there is a single gene that codes for a protein called P53. The name is a mistake. The protein weighs only as much as 47,000 protons, not 53,000. If you are a cell, you would think P53 was a mistake too. It has several coercive functions to delay the cell's growth, to sterilize the cell when it is old, and to force the cell into self-destruction if it becomes too independent. Would you tolerate a bomb in your body waiting to detonate if you deviate from the needs of society? However, without P53 as an enforcer, the body's utopian surplus of energy becomes a paradise for cancer. Cells cannot resist the temptation to steal from that surplus. Their genetic morality degrades as tumor suppressors and genes fail. The only way to stop them is by punishment. You now confront the basic problem of morality. Is It is the alignment of individual incentives with the global needs of the structure. Patterns will participate in a structure only if participation be- benefits their ability to go on existing. The more successful the structure grows, the more temptation accrues to cheat, and the greater the advantage the cheaters gain over their honest neighbors, and the greater the ability they develop to capture the very laws that should prevent their selfishness. To prevent this, the structure must punish cheaters with a violence that grows in proportion to its own success. My question follows, is P-53 an agent of the darkness? Or the light that is in the card yes. blue. like the that question at the end that is in the card yeah it, it's that's that's the i mean i love the the presentation of it being the basic concept of morality too because that is that mm-hmm. is actually um uh it, it, that is very synonymous with i mean pretty much any 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 philosophy that has dealt with morality from back in, you know, Socrates all the way up to, I mean, current day. I mean, this is also very Machiavellian in the sense of the punishment component. Uh, it's very similar to what was taught in The Prince. Um, uh, you also see it within um, the idea of, you know, even Plato and Socrates. um Socrates and them they they debated it's it's the it's the debate against egocentrism and allocentrism ultimately so like your individual incentives is the egocentrical and your global needs of the structure would be the allocentrical or the the serving of the other but so it's the it's still the same aspect oh yeah definitely i mean it, it it's it's the yeah go for it it's the fact that the darkness and the light are in some ways very similar. It's just the perspective of what side are you on at that point in some ways. Right. right? And so, I mean, but that's, that's the challenge, right? Is 
you know, with the example of like the golden rule, you know, the, 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 the golden rule is, you know, often quoted as being one should treat another as, or one should treat other as one would like others to treat oneself. So you treat, treat the other person mm-hmm. like you want to be treated. Basically it's the golden rule or mm-hmm. some down. Um, but you know, and this is where, modern psychology really starts kind of running rampant because in modern psychology we have a lot of uh what's referred to as deviations from the norm with regards to even self-care um and so it's starting becoming more and more a degree of perception because what is good for yourself that might not be what you want for yourself you know there's 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 individuals out there who are, you know, th- that are self-harmful. And so does then the question then becomes, does the normal, this normative philosophy of the golden rule apply to those individuals in the same way that a normative ethics and then the normative uh, uh, philosophy apply to quote unquote air quotes there, uh, a normal person, you know, it, it, what, what is normal, you know, what is good, what is right, mm-hmm. what is wrong. Uh, the, you know, you see this a lot of times within historical wars, even actually even modern war, wars. Uh, you know, one example being currently the environment over in Turkey, you know, Turkey and Syria. The whole thing with the uh, that environment is one side is saying I am right, you are wrong, and the other side's like, no, we are we are right, you are wrong, and it's it's the whole thing of your perspective um, determines what your def- definition of of right and wrong is what's light and dark you know it's very rare it's very rare to see an army on the side of darkness that admits that it's on the side of darkness uh that's not that's not something that is normal uh and you see that even in destiny and in destiny 2 with the introduction of destiny 2 vanilla they they presented gaul as a hero in his own story that's what makes a villain so compelling is he's only a villain to us he's not a villain to the cabal to the cabal or you know to his to his structure or his political alignment he is their hero he is you know he was the one who came up from nothing who who rose against the system who protected them who who gave them voice where whereas you know on our side we just see him you know, we, we only see the the conclusion of his story in and so far as he comes into conflict with us um right but i mean that's where that's the, where the whole thing with the p53 concept is it's interesting <clears throat> because it's it goes down to um i like i like the 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 pattern like the i i kind of review that or i see that as a machiavellian logic is as you as you grow grow in benefit the more successful yeah more successful the structure the more temptation to cruise to cheat thus you need to in mm-hmm. order to um prevent cheating the punishment is in you, your punishment needs to become more severe basically proportional yeah yeah mm-hmm. um which ultimately which is something we've talked about before right. the stronger the light the more the darkness it's quote a, unquote, it's a comes symmetry yeah, it. yeah yeah um right I like I like the idea of the utopian concept. That's a, that's an interesting thing, and how yeah, it becomes the surplus of energy becomes a paradise for cancer, which is uh, biologically, if I remember correctly, that's actually very accurate. Um, that is accurate. I okay, can tell you okay, because like 
because I think the protein causes cancer, if I remember right. Doesn't the P53 cause cancer? If P53, if it gets modified or if it gets um, corrupted and isn't able to do what it needs to, then the cells will run rampant. P53 is the equalizer. Okay, it's, it's, the, it's one the one equalizer. that will shut, okay. shut okay. things down. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Without P53 as an enforcer. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, biology is not my is so, not my strong suit. Yeah. Um, so if a cell gets modified and can, um, so when a cell gets becomes cancerous, its genome is modified. Um, it's it's mutated. It's punished. And if the P53 gets if P53 gets shut off in it though, and it is able to um, reproduce itself and modify, that's when you uh, get that's cancer cells. Because they're saying that it's a genetic Be- morality. Oh man, that's dangerous. That's in dangerous. Real, in the real life thing, a, um, cancer happens in the body a lot. It's mm-hmm. just that your body oh, is yeah, able all the to yes. take care of it. Yes, which right. is why which, one of the but, which is why one of the really successful uh, early not cures but early treatments for cancer is amping up the body's own resources for to, for fighting it. Is actually it's a. Uh, it's not always work. It it doesn't always work, but it's one of the one of the things. God, man, genetic morality. One of the oh, things Lord. with Gallahorn right, of treatments. But kind of one of the things with the genetics aspect, though, too, and this is something that is kind of brought up in the P fifty three card is the fact that it is needed. the the mm-hmm. The system cannot be just growth, 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 growth. Without some sort of decay itself, it cannot modify and change. That's how we grow as a human being. There are things that, granted, we can continue to grow certain things, but if we cannot shut those things off or have somebody to, um, I'm not going to use the word winnow, but it's very, it's very apt. No, it is, it is. And I, I would argue it. that, here, here's my one beef to pick with that what you're what you're describing mm-hmm. with the p53 so like when you say morality um morality is not morality is the distinction between right and wrong or good and bad behavior um it's not mm-hmm. what you're talking what p53 is is uh is survivability um it's it's an anthropomorphization of humanity to put emotional decisions on something of that nature that's like saying that's but like I, saying predator and prey I'm not tr- is moral. Right, but I'm not trying to say that it's moral for there to be the the No, 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 no. no. I'm, I'm saying, saying I'm that saying it's necessary by, by them saying their I'm not I'm not saying you're saying that. I'm saying the way I'm reading this it says their genetic morality degrades. That's a misuse of morality. Okay. Because you're you're applying ethics to a genetic natural process that there is no determining factor on ethical behavior like you can't you can't you can't apply ethics to something that has no sentience and isn't able to determine whether or not it's right or wrong it's created to serve a purpose which is that of the survivability of the being now mm-hmm. what you're so what I, basically what i'm saying is p53 to use P53 as an example of ethics or morality, I would disagree is is not a great I, – I see what's going on, but I disagree that it's a – I think it's still allegorical. Yeah, I don't think it's the best still. example because my problem there is that the idea of a protein having ethical understanding is, from a philosophical standpoint, 
I think on thin ice because you're getting into you're getting into mm-hmm. really dicey subjects matter there. Maybe that's the point. Well, and that's and I and I, I think I think that really is the point. Yeah, see, I I I think it's genetic morality. The darkness just, I think wants it's the aspect that as favorable. But it's 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 not necessarily and this is the discussion we had at the very beginning is darkness and light the same side or two different sides of the same coin. In some respects, that's what this card is also pointing us to is the fact that can you 100% say that the light is the one who is going to be because it's it's promoting health within the system bp53 or is that the darkness because it is the one that is preventing growth? it's neither it's is both yeah it's neither i i mean again i'm i guess it's my, my, my one it's the gray yeah because p50 i mean because it uh i think chat's actually kind of talking about this too where to go uh uh yeah like dino's quoting Dino's quoting Ruby, uh, and it says, you may bask in the powers of creation, but you do not own them. Right. I still say this is an allegory, though. This is not an actual... Oh, I think it's right, just, right. And I get that. It's being used as right. an allegory. And I get that. I'm my, my qualm with it is that I don't like the allegory. But that's not, you know, that's mm-hmm. just simply because I'm probably understandably reading more into it than it probably meant to be. Um yeah, because I feel like the darkness wants us to look at it at surface level and then sow seeds of doubt. Right. And that's and that's, yeah, and yes. that right. And because that's that's the that's like I'm looking at the, the entry and it's like the introduction of the concept of P fifty three as an enforcer, you know, okay, I see the allegory, right? Your your body is a utopian mm-hmm. surplus of energy. Which, yes, that's correct, blah blah blah. But then it goes and it says, You now confront the basic problem of morality. I'm like, wait, what? How did, what? No, that's not. So whatever. Uh, and it's the alignment of individual incentives with the global need of the structure. I'm like, okay, I, again, I see the allegory. I just don't agree with it. Um, you have an okay. allegory much better suited for this kind of concept within like, you know, Plato's Republic of the, the invisibility ring, you know, which is the question of if you can get away with whatever you want, would you do good or would you do bad? That That is an allegory that's more fitting to the concept of morality because the person, the, the actual item making the choice actually has um, a degree of consciousness and a degree of conscience that is actually being acted upon. Whereas you're saying but that a biological I, component that has no, you know, no degrading. But here's, but I actually think it is more apt that he uses P53 because it is not sentient. It is a force. And so is the light and dark. It is not actually a sentience. It's in force. So which is, which can, you can't assign, like you said, you can't assign morality to something that is not sentient per se. In this event, if the rules are for that force to do just what they do, for the winnower just to cut or to um, winnow away and the light just to grow, it makes more sense for P53 to actually be a part of it rather than assigning sentience and assigning, um, like, humanizing them because they're not human. They're forces. Right. So you can't... um... I think I'm gonna have to. To be fair, I am fully aware that I am probably overthinking this. 
that that mean I'm just I'm just going to reiterate that I am fully aware that that is probably what I'm doing. Do. My biggest problem my my biggest problem again is that the idea a force cannot be a force cannot be inherently good or evil. It's not possible. Gravity is neither gravity what, is neither good nor evil. It is just it is just gravity. Right. And I think that's the whole challenge of this card is, is, it's not, is but it, that but it, you can't you can't assign light or darkness. Light and dark does not equal good or evil. That's the whole point of the card. Based on human morality, most people would assume the light is the good. You would. But I think the whole point of this card is to say that light and dark are just forces and that they're not that it's not a morality aspect that you can't actually assign the morality to it, that it is literally just a force of nature and inevitable. I, I agree with that. Yeah, I see Dino, Dino saying, but whether or not darkness is necessary. It mm-hmm. is necessary, though we never liked admitting it. Well, I mean, that's like saying, it, but, I mean, that's that's the whole debate of mortality in general. Well, that's the whole debate of Ulantan. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like you're talking but about human morality. Human back. morality differentiate or human morality generalizes death as "quote unquote" bad. It's like, well, no, it's not. It's, not. it's natural and it's necessary. But it's not good to the life. Ne- wants yeah. to do exactly what they're saying in the book. Life wants to sustain. Life wants to go on. Before we and, go to from the Ulantan thing. He he does mm-hmm. bring up a interesting point in his one of his more recent lore tabs is that if life exists, okay, here it is. It's from the symmetry flight ship. Truth beyond this truth, the truth which you most dread. If we could destroy the darkness, but we had to give up our light to do so, how many of us would make that trade? So it's like how we've been keeping saying that the light and dark are the same coin, that darkness is necessary because we have this light, light is necessary because we like it. So if we get rid of both, what would happen? Yeah, I mean, it's a chicken and egg argument is what it yeah. is. Yeah. It is. Which I hate chicken and egg arguments. The interesting... So... The thing that'll be interesting is to see moving forward which granted i know some of us have seen already but see moving forward how persuasive i have read past p53 oh it's interesting i want to read it as i collect it yeah and i think that's i think that's a good idea especially considering some of the context next two it's the ne- technically because of the glitch from the first Ah. week people were able to grab more which is why some people are two cards ahead or three or four cards ahead. Um, we know the names of them, Luckily, right? nobody, like... has, nobody has been jerky enough to post them, luckily. Or if they have, people have either spoiler tagged mm. them or... Yeah, the, the site that um, I'm looking at has warned. the names of the 11 cards, but nothing. They've, they've blocked the, the actual which content. Is nice, which is nice of them to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I like light dot is basically another place I go to to dive into the the database because it'll tell you the actual hex values of stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have read T equals zero and the Cambrian. Okay, so that's the ne- that's what well. I was going to ask. And is that the next two? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Which we're not going to get into because yeah, spoilers. Nope. Read Patternfall. Okay, I'll get to it when I can. Dino, I don't have access to that one yet, so I will try to find that one. But I am I am at the end of it. If we wanted to rule this back to the concept of light, I know we've been talking about unveiling pretty heavily, considering that it has to do with kind of sort of the lightness and dark and the concept mm-hmm. there. In short, blue does not like causality dilemmas. It's a headache. Oh, I mean, they always is... they always are. They, I mean, that's the that's the annoying thing about the causality dilemma is that it's like. Which one came first? I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> just the go away. Just, yes. <laughs> just go away. The answer is always yes to both. They exist because they must. Yeah, yeah. Or they exist because they do. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like the. It's like when also, you apply for a job that you need experience for, but you need the job to get the experience. Trolley yeah, trolley problems. Yeah, yeah, trolley problems. Uh, trolley problem. That's a whole different bag of worms. Not familiar. Trolley, so trolley problem is the psychological thought experiment of you're standing at a breaker. <clears throat> you're standing at a lever, and there's a trolley coming down the tracks, and the brakes don't work. And on the track that it's on currently, there is one person tied to it. But on the tr- you can divert it. But if you divert it, the track that it's gonna, or the track that it's on has five people tied to it. You can divert it, but if you divert it, the track that you're going to divert it to has one person tied to it. So which one do you do? Do you do nothing? Oh. Do you do nothing and let the five okay. people die? Or do you do something, you get involved, and you let the one person die? If all five of them were to jump from the back of the train, would the speed be less enough nope, to the nope, one they can? <laughs> nope. No, it's it's like that's the thing. It's like the the basis of the experiment is that's the situation, and you can't change it. Like, and that's what that's what makes the trolley problem. It's like it's one of the like watching people uncomfortably answer it is like one of my really weird like joys. Is like because I've had I've had I've had to do it. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. It's very similar, right? Yeah, it's it's. I mean, like the 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 thought experiment is basically is is at what point does your your discomfort kind of activate, and what what do you determine on if you don't get involved, but you're choosing not to get involved? Does that still cause? Is that still argued as being involved? You know, like it's. What is what's and there and there's different variations of the trolley oh, problem man. as time has gone on. Well then, <laughs> what? I'll just come. Is, I'll come dressed as a psychologist to Guardian Con. Little, I have a question for you. Two in the morning. Mm-hmm. Oh man. I think we should start yeah, wrapping no, up definitely. mainly because I kind of want to yell at Dino for sending me this card because now I'm a little mad about this card. Um. Hi. Shout outs. Yeah. Volshock, you want to lead us for uh, shout outs? Um, yes. I've said my I said my things 
twice now. So I'm just going to say <laughs> uh, my buddy's in my group, Hip Nuts. He's our audio specialist and uh, grammar checker. Though he, we do fail sometimes. And my other buddy, Lost Angel of Havoc. He nice. does our what's our flavor cards, Hello. and he has a line of skits, as well as an album and that too. Sorrows Road. Yeah, gotta love my boy Havoc. That guy's creative and way better at mixing music than Same I here. am. I I know how to put an audio file into the timeline. Put a video file on the timeline and press export. Mm-hmm. Um, my shout out is going to be another. Um, I know this is going to be a repeat for us this evening, but for those people who are listening to the advanced episode, if you are downloading this immediately on Friday, uh, Friday, November 15th, tomorrow. Hello, future people. Tomorrow is the guardians mental health charity stream with man at arms and basically the formerly known as saint 14 project doing a charity stream to raise money and awareness of um, the concept of mental health and being aware and reaching out and understanding it so if you want to drop by guardians mh on twitch and give them at least at least a view if not if you a donation or at least spread the word about it that would be amazing second shout out goes to dino for giving me another headache to think about this evening as i read <laughs> through that card that he sent me because now i want to go back into stories about the nine. Oh god Blue, your turn. Uh, uh, same, kind of same as yours. On the seventeenth, we're going to have our second Destiny quarterly loan review uh, with Lore Network, and it's starting. Nice, yeah. I was going to say, go check out. Um, who who was it? Baxter, I think Baxter. Baxter, yeah. did Baxter, he did he post it on the Ishtar or did he post it yeah, from his, his own? Okay, cool. I can't, I can never remember which one he goes check from. Porter channel. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. Okay. So yeah, Baxter has been really kind enough to put together a question submission document. He's really good at those. So he put together one of those for us to use for that conversation. Uh, What that is, is about 9am central. We'll be streaming basically a video, like a video conference call, basically, of different people from within the lore community. Uh, right now, I think we're going to have the Guardians of Lore team. We're going to have the Focus Fire team. So that'd be Green and I. Uh, Bife, mm-hmm. I believe, is going to try to... I think Bife is going to make it. Mylan wasn't able to make it this week. Uh, he's on the road for something. I can't remember what he said he was on, He was traveling. Um, but we also have uh, the Loose Cannon Show group, which is Baxter, Anon Pig, Anon. and Rhino. Um I know I asked Beard. I don't know if Beard got back to me. Is is Guardian Twenty One? Yes, yeah. Be sorry, on there Guardian. Again? Yeah, Guardian Twenty One yep. is also on there. He's the loose cannon team, and then Rhino is also from the Destiny Armory Defined. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I should wear my way into the next one. Yes, yes. I have to. It's it's one of those things where I have to get get scheduling. Those things are fun. Is what I've discovered. Dis- discovered. <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and then also thank you, Green. Uh, shout out to Bungie for the games to give charity. I believe that is currently going. Uh, I saw something mm-hmm. about like they had like thirty thousand donators, like some just ridiculous amount. Let me make sure I said that right, because I think currently right now they're. Um, I think it's T one Riot. 30,000 unique donors, 4,736 individuals, and 410 teams streaming for D2 games to give. Uh, I know Sarah Daniels is coming up. She's one of the days in the future. Nice, nice. Because I think their goal is 2 million by November 10th, which is going to be two days from recording. So, I mean, yeah, just another example of video games aren't bad. Um but oh, yeah. don't get me started on that. <laughs> I've written papers on it. Oh yeah, no, I have, I have as well. Um, so yeah, just uh, if you guys have a chance, please be sure to swing by on the seventeenth. Uh, I will give another shout out on the fifteenth, which you know won't hit the feed until after, sadly. But so that's that's what I got for everyone in the future. Uh, Green, did I forget anything? Nope. Bye, chat. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Until next time, goodbye. See you later. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusedfirechat. Links to all our episode archives can be found at www.thelorenetwork.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.